Preface During college at the University of Central Florida, I stumbled upon George Whitfield's journal in the lower part of the library. Upon finding it, I checked it out and began to read the contents within. Not long after, I was lit on fire by the example of this man. His life was totally consumed with a hunger for God and a devotion for his Lord, Jesus Christ. Every day he lived seemed to be an adventure with God. Even on a ship sailing to his next destination, he utilized such an opportunity to preach the gospel and visit the sick. I was greatly challenged by his life, as I pray you will be too, while listening to this sermon of his. Be blessed. William Crockett, President of God Sounds, Inc. The Seed of the Woman and the Seed of the Serpent Genesis 3.15 And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his head. On reading to you these words, I may address you in the language of the holy angels to the shepherds that were watching their flocks by night. Behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. For this is the first promise that was made of a Savior to the apostate race of Adam. We generally look for Christ only in the New Testament, but Christianity, in one sense, is very near as old as the creation. It is wonderful to observe how gradually God revealed His Son to mankind. He began with the promise in the text, and this the elect lived upon till the time of Abraham. To him, God made further discoveries of his eternal counsel concerning man's redemption. Afterwards, at sundry times and in diverse manners, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets, till at length the Lord Jesus himself was manifested in flesh and came and tabernacled amongst us. This first promise must certainly be but dark to our first parents in comparison of that great light which we enjoy. And yet, dark as it was, we may assure ourselves that they built upon it their hopes of everlasting salvation, and by that faith were saved. How they came to stand in need of this promise, and what is the extent and meaning of it, I intend, God willing, to make the subject matter of your present meditation. The fall of man is written in two legible characters not to be understood. Those that deny it, by their denying, prove it. The very heathens confessed and bewailed it. They could see the streams of corruption running through the whole race of mankind, but could not trace them to the fountainhead. Before God gave a revelation of his Son, man was a riddle to himself. And Moses unfolds more in this one chapter, out of which the text is taken, than all mankind could have been capable of finding out of themselves, though they had studied to all eternity. In the preceding chapter he had given us a full account how God spoke the world into being, and especially how he formed man of the dust of the earth 
and breathed into him the breath of life, so that he became a living soul. A council of the Trinity was called concerning the formation of this lovely creature. The result of that council was, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Moses remarkably repeats these words that we might take particular notice of our divine original. Never was so much expressed in so few words. None but a man inspired could have done so.